or thinner than you really are. You may feel like you're prettier or uglier than you really are. You may feel like that you're smarter or even dumber than you really are. You see, often we get misled by our physical self-image, but I'm here to tell you this morning that oftentimes we also get misled by our spiritual self-image. You see, most of us, if not all of us, believe that we are basically good people. Every person wants to think that we are in good shape, spiritually speaking. But I want you to know this morning, sadly, that's not the truth. That person that you see in the mirror is nothing like you think he or she really is. And today, Paul tells us that Every single person, no matter who they are, is a sinner in the sight of God. That's a hard pill for some people to swallow. We don't like to think of ourselves as bad people. We don't like to think of ourselves as sinners. Yet understanding that truth is the first step to coming to God so that we can be saved. Today, I want to tell you about the man in my mirror. And this man that I see doesn't have a very good reflection. But I want you to know this. As I describe the man in my mirror, I want you to realize that the person that you see in your mirror is no different. You might be prettier than me. <laughs> all of you are, amen. But we are all basically the same. So hopefully there is someone that's here today who's never realized that they're indeed a sinner. And that today will be the day that they see themselves as they really are in the mirror. By the same token, my prayer is, is that those of us who are saved come to the understanding and we're reminded that we don't have any reason to be bragging. We have no reason to boast because we are what we are only by the grace of God. So friend, as I look in this mirror, can I tell you what I see? I see a man who is a sinner. And my sin is a universal problem. If you would turn with me to Romans chapter 3, that's on page 1001 in the Bibles in front of you. Romans chapter 3, I want to tell you a little bit about what I see this morning in my mirror. And again, I want to remind you that it's no different than what you see in your mirror. In Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, What then? 
Are we better than they? Are Jews better than Gentiles? Are Christians better than non-Christians? Paul says, not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. You see, sin affects all races. Jews or Gentiles, red, yellow, black, white, you are still a sinner. You can be a part of Black Lives Matter. You can be a part of KKK. You can be a part of ISIS. You can be a law-abiding citizen. But sadly, no one is exempt from this sin stain. We all have the same problem. It's a universal problem. But sin also affects all religions. Notice the words. What then? Are we better than they? Paul says, no, not at all. Paul tell these believe, tells these believers that they are no different than anyone else. There's no escaping, friends, this awful truth that all people are sinners. And no one can be saved merely by religion. Sin affects all religion. But sin also affects all righteousness. Look in verse 10. For there is none righteous. Look at me. No, not one. None righteous. No, not one. This is God's indictment of the sinner. God looks at the world and he says, there is not one single man, not one single woman that can produce righteousness. You see, man's problem is, is that he measures himself by the wrong measuring stick. We look at our neighbors and we say, man, I cer I'm certainly not as bad as he is. Man, I'm a whole lot better than she is. Men think they please God because they're not as wicked as the next guy. But they forget that dead is still dead and lost is still lost. I want you to imagine something for me. Imagine people in Hawaii, they want to get over here to the mainland. But they're going to try to get to the mainland in a very unconventional manner. Instead of taking a ship or flying in a plane, these folks have decided that they are going to jump across the ocean to the mainland. Now, some of these folks are in really, really good shape. And so they start running, and they take off, and they jump 25 feet, and splash. They land in the water. There are others who aren't in quite as good a shape, and they take off running, and they jump, and splash after 10 or 15 feet. And then there are those that are in kind of bad shape, and they run or jog. They run or jog, and they jump, and they land five feet in the water, and splash. But then you say, those that jump the farthest arrogantly look at those people who jump the least and they say, you know what, I'm better than you. But no one jumped the distance. All of them got wet. Now that may be a silly illustration to you, but listen, that's what some people do. That's what a lot of Christians do. 
They're trying to jump into heaven on the basis of being in better spiritual shape than somebody else. And they end up in the water just like everybody else. Friend, you can try anything you please, but there is only one cure for this universal sin problem that we all have. There's only one way to jump across the pond into heaven, and that is through faith in the death and resurrection of God's Son, Jesus Christ. It's the only one. So you see, my sin, it's a universal problem. But I also see in my mirror that my sin is a very ugly problem. There are countless problems that my sin causes me. And the verses that I'm going to share with you this morning prove that while the sin is a universal problem that we all have to deal with, sin is also a very ugly problem. Just look at what my sin does. First of all, sin pollutes my spirit. Look in verse 10. As it is written, there are, is none righteous, no, not one. You see, only righteousness, only sinlessness can make it to heaven. God is not going to allow sin into heaven. Why? Because it will pollute heaven. So he's not going to allow my unrighteousness or my sinfulness into heaven. So... That means that in and of myself, I don't have a shot. In and of myself, I am not permitted into God's heaven. But it's not just me. You could interview every one of the 7.442 billion people in the world and you would not find one righteous man or one righteous woman. Not one. You might find some that seem better than others. You might find some that think they're better than others. But when they are judged by the absolute perfect righteousness of God, they will all be found lacking. The truth will be plain to see. You see, men may look real good on the outside, but inside, they're rotten and wicked. Jesus talked about this and. Matthew chapter 23. He was talking to the religious people of the day. And he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside they're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside... You're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. See, sin pollutes our spirit. Sin pollutes the very being of who we are. But do you know that sin also pollutes my senses? Look in verse 11. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. My sin dulls my mind to the truth of God. I can't understand him, and there's not a single person in this world who will seek after God on their own. See, nobody just decides that they're going to chase after God. 
Jesus even said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. See, it's all God. It's none of us. It's all God. When a person hungers for the Lord, it's the work of God in his life. And so sin has caused me to have some spiritual brain damage. But sin also pollutes my soul. Look in verse 12. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not even one. Sin makes us disobedient. Sin makes us rebellious. And sin makes us worthless to God. We don't like to hear that, do we? But that's the truth of the matter. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Think about this. If we're so busy going God our own way, then we're not going to be going God's way. That's a problem. That's a problem. Sin damages my spirit. Sin dulls my mind. But you know what else sin does? Sin dirties my vessel. And God will not use a dirty vessel. And so we become useless to God until such time as we become cleansed of sin and until we become emptied of self. But then there's that phrase. There is none who does good, not even one. Now you might say, Bill, I'm sorry, buddy, but I disagree with you on that one. After all, Mother Teresa... She did some good. Would y'all agree with that? Would y'all agree with that? You might say, hey man, Billy Graham. Billy Graham's done a lot of good. Would y'all agree with that? You might even say, wait a minute, Bill. I've done some good. Would y'all agree with that? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Let's don't get all self-righteous now. All right? We all think that we've done some good, don't we? We all think we've done some good. Well, Mother Teresa did do some good. And Billy Graham has done some good. But good according to who? Good according to whom? I mean, from a human standpoint, some people do good. Some people do evil. But from the heavenly standpoint, God looks at our works as they appear beside his righteousness. And that leaves us lacking indeed. Imagine this. Imagine you're on a boat in New York City Harbor, and you're looking over that beautiful city from the harbor, from a boat. And you're on deck there, and you're looking at all the wonderful buildings, and you see that some of the buildings are short. You see that some of the buildings are tall. You see that some of those buildings are like skyscrapers reaching into the sky. Now I want you to imagine seeing the same city, but from an airplane. And as you look from the airplane, there is no way to see which building is short and which building is tall. So it all matters on your perspective. I want to tell you this morning that man's perspective has no bearing on how sins are judged. Sin has also polluted my speech. In verse 13, Paul writes, their throat is an open tomb. What is an open tomb? Come on, y'all. This is 
This is not rocket science. What's in a tomb? Dead people, right? Their throat is an open tomb where dead things reside. With their tongues, they practice deceit. What is deceit? Help me out. Come on. What is it? Say it again. Lies. Deceiving somebody. Right. The poison of asps or poisonous snakes is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. You see, it's a fact that our words reveal the condition of our heart. Uh, Paul learned this from Jesus himself. In fact, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. I want you to notice with me this morning what the Bible says about the way sinners talk. First of all, their throat is like an open tomb. The sinner's speech is like the smell of a rotting corpse. The way sinners talk proves that they are rotten on the inside, for out of the mouth the heart speaks. But their speech is also filled with lies and deception. From the White House to the church house to the outhouse, it seems like lying is a pastime in our country. The sinner's speech is like a deadly poison. Just think about what the deadly poison of some people's words has done to godly people. Ruin their life. Ruin their reputation with things like gossip and rumor. I want you to remember something this morning, and if you don't leave here with anything but this, I want you to remember that how you speak reveals the condition of your heart. But not only does sin pollute my spirit, not only does sin pollute my senses and my soul and my speech, sin also pollutes my steps. Notice what Paul says about how sin influences the way sinners walk. First of all, he says that we're quick to shed blood. Listen to verse 15. Their feet are swift to shed blood. This is speaking of murder. Did you know that in 2015, there were 15,696 murders in America? Murders. But that statistic does not consider abortion as murder. Because in 2015, 926,190 babies were murdered. And since 1973, 59.8 million babies have been murdered legally in this country. And I hate to break this to you, but we are all guilty. We are all guilty. Why? Because of sin, we are quick to shed blood. But have you also noticed that it seems like people are growing more and more brutal in this day and time? Look there in verse 16. Destruction and misery are in their ways. 
It blows me away how cruel some people can be. It blows me away how ruthless some people can be to one another. It blows me away that somebody might open fire indiscriminately on 22,000 innocent people. I mean, that's just evil. Sin causes so much misery in this world. But I've also noticed in Scripture supports it, that people just don't really want to live in peace anymore. Look there in verse 17. And the way of peace they have not known. Is it just me? Or have you noticed all the drama? 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 Social media has done nothing to bring all the drama down. Some people just ain't happy unless they're busy stirring up something. Amen? Y'all know who I'm talking about, right? Why is it? Why is it that some people just ain't happy unless they're stirring something up? It's one word. Sin. They don't want peace. They want drama. But not only does sin pollute my spirit and my senses and my soul and my speech and my steps. My sin also pollutes my sight. Look there in verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's why the sinner is able to do what he does. That's why the sinner is able to live like he lives. Because sin has polluted his sight. In fact, did you know that most people live as if God didn't exist at all? You know anybody like that? Well, let me tell you what it's called. It's called practical atheism. Practical atheism. And listen here, some Christians are guilty too of being practical Atheist. How do you know, Bill? Well, this person knows there's a God. This person knows that there's a hell. This person knows that they ought to be living for the Lord. Yet he or she chooses to live his or her life the way they want to live it. They choose to live as if there were no God. And can I tell you, when you find that moment where you have fallen to the temptation to sin... What you're really doing is you are saying, there ain't no God. There's no God. Maybe I can get away with this sin. And in Psalm 14, God describes these people. He says, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Sometimes we, even as Christians, behave very foolishly, living as if there were no God. Sin pollutes. And ultimately, pollution causes death. Friend, do you hate sin as much as God hates sin? We need to. We need to. Because my sin is a universal problem. And my sin 
is a very ugly problem. But I take my final look in the mirror this morning and I see that my sin is an undeniable problem. I read in my Bible that God's word confirms that I'm a sinner. Look in verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, that is the word of God, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped, that all the world may become guilty or accountable before God. Because the law of God condemns what I do, therefore I stand condemned by the same law that I ignore. See, this book is an awesome book. I love this book because it tells me the truth about me even when I don't want to hear it. I love this book because it doesn't hold back. It tells me and it tells you who you really are. And this book, the law, God's word, has the ability to show us just how wicked we really are. God's word then is the standard. God's word then is the plumb line that shows us exactly how far off center we really are. God's word condemns, confirms my sin, but it also condemns my sin. Look in the last verse for today, in verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Why did God give us this book? Why did God give us his word? He gave us his word as a tool. He gave us this word as a tool to help us recognize our sinful condition. He gave us this book as a tool to point us into the loving arms of the Savior. It's a tool. In fact, in Galatians 3.24, the Bible says that God's law was our tutor, our teacher to bring us to Christ that we might be justified or made righteous by faith. You see, God's law has but one purpose, and that is, friend, to show us that we're guilty and point us to the Savior. One purpose. Now, James, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus, said that God's word is a lot like a mirror. That mirror can show you how dirty you are, but it can't clean your face. You can't take the mirror and rub it on your face and get the dirt off. The mirror points you down to the sink where the water is. And that's how we get cleansed. It's the same way with the Word of God. This Word can't clean us up by itself. We're just not good enough. We're not obedient enough to keep this Word. This Word can't cleanse us in and of itself. But listen what it can do. It can create a hunger in you for the person who can, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It shows us our own guilt, 
but it also points us to the Savior. Looking into the law of God can't save you. Even living the Word of God can't save you because you can never do it entirely. The only thing that saves the sinner is coming to Jesus Christ by faith. That's it. That's it, y'all. That's it. There are too many people, too many Christians that are trying to good their way to God. And it's not possible. It can't be done. It doesn't work. Jesus was clear when he said, you must be born again. He said in the word of God in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, the conclusion of this whole thing is very clear. Every one of us here today are sinners before the Lord. We're all sinners. But there is one solution. One solution for our sins. And it cannot be obtained by doing good things. It cannot be attained by being a good person. The only way it can be obtained is through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you today, are you saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? If you died today, would you die as a child of God Trusting in Jesus and no one else for heaven for you. If you can't say that, I got great news for you. You can. You can walk out of this building saved as the person who's been a Christian for a hundred years or more. But it is up to you. Will you Receive the gift. For God has given us a gift. The gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. But how many people won't receive the gift? Behold, today is the day of salvation. If the Lord has spoken to you today, I pray that you would walk out of this building saved let's pray our father in heaven we praise you and thank you adore you and exalt you for giving us the gift of your son father as i look at my reflection in the mirror and i see what i really am i realize completely that there's nothing i can do 